This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society, and we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. Francis O'Neill, it is wonderful to have you with us. Thanks so much for giving us your time today. Thank you, Peter. Thanks for having me. Great. And um, obviously, want to join, seen many of the videos, pictures, the whole thing with yellow boards, uh, trying to get an, a different narrative, I guess, to what the mainstream put out. But people can find you. There is your Twitter handle at Francis X O'Neill. Um, also, the Substack, uh, the links are in the description and they're also on your Twitter page. Um, Francis, maybe before we get into the what's been happening, how you've been getting a message out, the response from the public, what are the issues which have become a f- freedom encompasses a lot and it's become much wider than anti-COVID tyranny. Um, do you just want to maybe introduce yourselves because we have uh, probably two-thirds US audience actually now um, and they may not be aware of who you are do that first, and then we'll jump onto the yellow boards. Well, I, I'm actually a self-employed artist, and I was teaching just life drawing and portrait painting. And, um, I was living in Oxford and making a living doing that. I was teaching uh, from a studio, which I rented as part of a complex with other artists. And um, th- that's how I was getting by. I was doing jobs sometimes teaching in other locations. But I'd become aware that things weren't as presented in the mainstream media due to 9-11. Um, I, I had questions on the day, but I wasn't really woken up on the day. I, I just thought that would be resolved uh, by investigations and so on. But as you know, with the prevalence of the Internet, I mean, you start to become aware that there are alternative theories out there. Um, I, I started to look into that quite deeply. And once I became aware that was a, the, the official story of 9-11 was not true, um, I started to question other aspects of uh, our society, our history, the way we were being uh, told things, the way information was being presented to us. Um, you start to question the sources. And so I became, I, I, I underwent the process that a lot of people have gone on since 2020. I underwent it probably around from 2003 onwards. And, and so when 2020 came, I was already aware that this wasn't going to be true. This was another ruse. This was another means of control. It was part of a, a larger agenda, um, which we now know is called Agenda 2030, or it's the World Economic Forum calls it the Great Reset. And it's a means of uh, removing our wealth and our sovereignty to control us. So from the very beginning in 2020, I thought something needs to be done about this. And this, I also felt very, I actually felt a sense of guilt that the 9-11 truth movement, which I'd been a part of, um, had not done enough. I remember, I remember the first day um, I was waiting for people to arrive for my class and they didn't come because, and this was before the lockdown, a few days before it was officially announced. I thought, oh my gosh, they're all falling for it. We haven't, we haven't done enough. And uh, there's nobody here. There's no one at my class. Like uh, I was waiting for people to turn up. And I thought, this is going to be bad. I was like, I actually had a real sense of dread and worry on that day, thinking they're really falling for it. And um, and so I started to be very active very quickly. I, I emailed everybody that I knew on my uh, mailing list for my classes, everybody, my peers who shared the studios with me. So I made my uh, position known, which may have been a mistake professionally, and it cost me later, um, because the, because the people thought you were like spreading the plague and, and then you, you knew that you weren't going to be compliant. And so I lost 
I was actually forced out of the studio mid-2021 because I wasn't complying with any regulations. Um, but I also got out on the street within about a month. I started making videos. I was making posts uh, routinely anyway about the truth movement. Um, um, but, but as I say, it was about April. Um, we started to be, uh, I started to do the first outreach in the streets. Um, I started making videos more to wake up my friends and family. And they did actually work. I did get through to like my family. They didn't... Um, Actually, and I never like to speak about what they didn't didn't do, but but you know there was an element of success there. I felt, and um, so so, but in short, I became active. Um, I eventually left Oxford because I'd lost my place of work, which was my uh, where I was making my income from. I lost that studio because I was forced out in twenty twenty one. So I ended up in London in twenty twenty two, and I became attached to the Yellow Boards, which is what you were referencing there. And this was uh, this group of yellow boards. Actually, I saw first happening in New Zealand. Um, there was a group of people along a street. A video went round, uh, probably around 2021, late 2021, of people questioning the vaccines, and they had yellow boards with slogans on them, uh, like every 50 yards along a, a stretch of road. And the questions would develop as as the driver went past, and someone had filmed it from a car. Now this took on in, in England and uh, also with the rebels, we have a thing called rebels in roundabouts, which started in Stockport. Um, uh, one of the guys there actually said that he'd seen my videos from Oxford and it had helped sort of um, in, inspire or encourage him to get out and do that sort of thing. Um, one of the guys who set up the rebels and roundabouts and then, um, but yellow boards is not my invention. It, I, it's something that I've uh, got involved with that was already ongoing by the time I arrived in London in 2022. And so what's happened is sort of, I, I seem, I'm not really an organizer or a maker of flyers and boards and things like that. So there are very hardworking people who who, who do this. And, and But I seem to be the one who, like an unofficial spokesperson, I'll speak to the camera and I'll speak to people. If someone comes to ask questions, they'll say, go and speak to him, he'll talk to you. And so, so that's my role. I just talk to people and uh, present the information as best I can. Oh, your name keeps coming up. Francis O'Neill, you know, yellow boards. Oh, yes. So um, I want to, there are a couple of things I want to pick up on that, but let me just play uh, some of the clips from around London um, just to give the viewers and listeners an idea of what happens in case they have not seen it. So let me just, the the first one is, uh, the first one actually is, shepherd's bush i think let me see yeah first one shepherd's bush which i know very well just around the corner in west london uh let me just play this little clip and then there are two others from london So that was Shepherd. Let me do a, a, just another one up in Harrow. Shepherd Bush is West London. Harrow is kind of Northwest. Uh, and it's the, the same thing. And I want to ask you about kind of that response. You obviously hear uh, the, the horns beeping on the cars. But here is Northwest London and Harrow. <laughs> Thank you. 
Um, we could go in, uh, let me, we could show uh, a lot of them. Um, can I ask you, when you went out, what were you expecting? We are, many of people watching, they'll be engaged in trying to change opinion of those around them. Uh, you jump out and do something in the wide world with the public. Um, tell us about kind of the response you've got. And obviously we hear the the horns beeping. Is that a regular occurrence? Well, the response, when I first started going out in Oxford in 2020, the response obviously was, it was a different, we're talking about lockdowns and people were very hostile. And Oxford is like an academic town and it has a lot of the research facilities like the Jenner Institute and so on. So with regards to that, initially it was very hostile, but there were also people who were very grateful. Thank God there's somebody who's out there on the street. I felt all alone. I didn't realize other people thought like me. And so basically you tend to get a range of those emotions even, uh, and we do different subjects, obviously. So in London with the yellow boards, the, the, the ULES is, is almost, obviously with car drivers, is almost universally unpopular okay. because right, it's restricting car movement and, uh, and so on. So, but I think it's also serving to waken people up to the wider problems and the agendas that I mentioned earlier. And so, yeah, with the ULES, you do tend to, when we put ULES boards up, that you tend to get a good response. And it's, and, and, but the good thing about it is that obviously it's not, uh, there are some people who will disagree and they may drive, drive cars because they still think it's in their best interest to have less mm -hmm. pollution or, or whatever the, the, the tagline is. It, it seems to vary, which I think is very strange as well. Sometimes it's about an environmental emergency and sometimes it's about children with asthma. Um, and obviously it could be about both in theory if it's about clean air, but it's not about clean air because because the, the, um, actually if you test the air in London in most places it's very very clean and where they do have hot spots they're not doing anything particular to to uh, solve the pollution in those areas and also on the tube it's up to it's different studies have said different things like it's 40 times uh, dirtier and, and pe people tested maybe have made it higher uh, in terms of the contaminants in the air on the tube so they don't do anything about the air on the tube which is where they're trying to push everybody to go into the public transport but they're but they're concerned about the air where it's actually well within safety standards above ground. And I think people are wise to that. I think people in the cars, they've cottoned on to the fact that this isn't true. So um, when we go out now, particularly, and, and and it has increased over the time I've been involved. So, uh, and also obviously since the time it started, but as I say, I can speak from my experience from uh, 2022, probably mid 2022 in London, um, even the ULES, now it's deafening. You go out there some, in some places, you just get constant car horns. Um, and and, and we, we're not always filming. Sometimes you miss the bits where it's just ridiculous, just the noise and the, and the cacophony of cars going past. And, and then um, uh, it depends also on, on the location. Sometimes you go to a location, it's more muted and, and you get a bit more conflict of um, opinions where people think that, um, and it's usually people, we, we sort of always know a bit wary of the cyclists because you, they sometimes hurl abuse at you, but you, you quite often get people going past on the bikes as well, tinkling bells going as in, because they don't have a horn, obviously, on the bicycle, so they'll show their support tinkling the bell. So, so you just can never be sure who's going to say what to you. Um, but the pedestrians, um, you know, can uh, can be interested and 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 say things to you, and then you get into dialogue. And you can and sometimes people in the cars will say things like, or like they'll say you're crazy, or um, I had a guy waving his asthma inhaler at me today. You don't care about me, and I'm saying, well, it's not about air. And I explained the things I've just mentioned about yeah. how. The air is worse on the tube and and when you test the air it's fine and it's about control and i try and make them aware of that but um i try to we all try to we all try to be as non-confrontational as possible but sometimes we get told we're killing children and which is ironic if you actually look at what's going on in the world at the moment 
Um, so we're the ones killing children. Um, so uh, well, yeah, so uh, mixed responses, but uh, uh, overwhelmingly positive about the ULES. And I'd actually say we went to the COVID inquiry and we and we um, when Abby Roberts got arrested, and I was surprised given the varied reactions we'd had to uh, COVID lockdown and vaccination uh, outreach that we'd done before. The I overwhelming. Mean, Tell us about because obviously it started, all of this has started in a pushback towards restrictions under the COVID tyranny. Um, and I, I I know you were there. I know Abby was arrested. We had her on just after um, and her talking about how you were waiting outside, uh, waiting for her. Um, and I think you realize who your, your friends are in situations like that when you get arrested. Oh, where's everyone gone? Oh, they've gone home and you waited outside. Um, and that that camaraderie, that connection, that networking, that standing shoulder to shoulder has been something that's I've seen certainly develop over the last three years. Well, I'd met Abby at one of the marches in London where um, they have these worldwide uh, rallies for freedom and uh, Abby is a regular at those. And I had a mutual friend and said, oh, Abby's going, you need to say hello to her. So I, I just said hello to her. And you never know if you're going to hit it off with people or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Abby and I were interviewed by somebody came up and interviewed us. And we just uh, we just had like a sort of a rapport. And it was funny. We were, we were taking a bit, making a bit of a joke of the uh, interview and things like this. And so we, we hit it off and we had a nice conversation. And then uh, stayed in touch and just said, like, uh, I'm, I'm going down to the COVID inquiry. And I knew that she'd be interested because Matt Hancock, who was our health secretary during the lockdown, yeah. um, was going to be there that day. And she said, OK, I'll come down. And so she came down to you know, hold a yellow board and make her presence and her, her opinions known. And 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 uh, she only lasted half an hour. <laughs> so <laughs> I, 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 I understand what you mean when you say I'll be making her opinions known. It's beautiful. <laughs> Because she wasn't actually that bad. I mean, I know that she's very, uh, as in, as in, from from the police or the uh, establishment perspective, she, she wasn't um, that bad. It was just, yeah. it's just kind of hilarious that she probably lasted about twenty three minutes. Um, we uh, it was about half past eight in the morning or something like this. And uh, and uh, anyway, so she, she um, we we walked behind a camera with the yellow bush, and and we'd been told not to encroach on this space where the cameras filmed the previous time we'd been at the COVID inquiry, which was about a week before, a few days before. And Abby hadn't been there, so she didn't know, so she just marched in behind and held a board behind one of the reporters' uh, heads. And actually, it was a station that she'd previously worked for, the GB News one. Yeah. So I followed her in and, and, and put a board up there and just thought, we'll stay here until they move us on. And we did it with Sky TV as well. And then uh, and she said a few things to the the, the ranks of uh of cameramen and photographers uh what have you all been doing what well, you're not reporting anything and and she might have used the f word a couple of times but nothing too severe nothing they hadn't heard and and then this guy came out and she's told the story anyway um but yeah the, uh, she 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 got it's on film you can see so I, w- when she started when the, they came to arrest her right i just thought um i need to keep my mouth shut because i'll speak over the dialogue and i'll just film it and get a really good footage of it but then i didn't know whether to put the footage out in case they didn't have any incriminating evidence against yeah. her. So I had to sit on the footage until she was released. Um, and then and then she, uh, there was one moment where I thought the police reacted that I haven't mentioned this before. So in the footage, you can see the police, uh, one guy's already told her she's arrested and the others are trying to reason with her. So it didn't make really make sense. He said, and it seemed to be trying to calm her down. And she was saying, do you see this? And she showed one of the badges that she she wears for uh, Trudy and, and whose son committed suicide during lockdown. Right. And she was saying, 
you know, um, and they, the police, in my first impression of it, seemed to recoil at that point. And I thought, oh, wow, that was powerful. Like I was filming it. And, um, and they seemed to. But when I watched the footage back, I think what actually happened, though, he thought was we can't reason with this woman. Oh, they yeah. gave up trying to like mollify her and settle her <laughs> down and stuff. Uh, that because I, I thought at first it was the power because that's what it affected me, and I thought, oh wow, that's got to have an effect. But actually, I don't think that's what happened. I just thought she, that she's we're gonna have to. But they'd already arrested her. So, um, and then um, they, they 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 arrested her and and they took her away. And and I felt a bit because I'd invited her down kind of knowing that she'd provide a bit of fireworks, right? Yeah. So I felt a bit like, um, what's the guy, um, Fagan or something, getting her into trouble. <laughs> and, and then she was in the cell. So I felt kind of a responsibility as well. And I also thought that if I was in the cell and everyone just went home, I'd think, come out thinking that's not very nice. So I went down to wait. And, and also she told me it was only going to be a couple of hours because she'd been given that suggestion. And then as I started to wait and it started to get into the evening, she'd been there 12 hours. Um, the police started to say to me, listen, mate, you're going to have a long wait. And they'd obviously changed the way in which they were going to process her because yeah. instead of it just being a basic, you know, you've done a minor misdemeanor, let's get you in and out. They, they just decided to be an awkward and hold her in and charge her in a different way. And they let her out at three in the morning just to be, un I think just to make it unpleasant and uncomfortable for her. So the police became aware of this and, and rather kindly actually said to me, like, you'll be waiting a long time, mate. You should probably go home. She's not going to be let out to the morning. So um, I had to go. Um, and, that's what happened um the obviously the whole covid well covid whitewash not not inquiry um but tell us how because whenever you've been out with boards it's one thing going with those big demos uh where it's that spirit of togetherness and everyone is 100 percent awake where you go out on the streets you kind of expect it to be it to be different um like i'm i'm sure going to those uh, demos. I'm sure you got a lot of pat in the backs and a lot of kind of well done and realizing that people appreciate how you're putting the message out. Well, on the bigger demos, um, you're amongst a lot of people. So there's the strength in numbers. And as you say, that, that you can have a chat with people who think the same as you. You still get some people, even on the bigger ones, if you're on the edges, on the peripheries of the of, the, of a group of people marching down the street where people will pull faces or, or say, get lost or, you know, what, uh, you know, shout some abuse at you. You occasionally get that. Not normally, though, because because of the numbers, because they're slightly intimidated by the numbers. People tend to keep their, their opinions to themselves when they see thousands of people marching down. You are a little bit more exposed if you go out with a board, but generally speaking, it's okay. I mean, on the uh, one of the uh, connected to the yellow boards, I should say, uh, one in Stockport, uh, a thing called Rebels on Roundabout started up uh, one of the roundabouts um, in Stockport near Manchester in the north of England, and I, I went down there a few times because uh, that's where I'm originally from, mm. um, and we had eggs thrown at us from a passing car and things like, that. and that occasionally happens, but. To be honest, most of the time, I, I don't feel like I'm under threat. Um, I, I know that sometimes people say nasty things to you and that might, other other people might bother them more, but I don't really, it doesn't really phase me, I don't think. Um, I don't think it really phases the people who do it. Um, if, if people, a lot of the time people are not very brave when they confront you. For example, people will sit there in the car at the lights mm. and when the lights change, they'll shout something just as they're going yeah, yeah. or the same with a cyclist. So, or if they're passing at speed. So sometimes it's quite funny when they say something to you and then the lights change and then they have to stop. And then they sit there like that or meet because you can come and say something back then. So, I, yeah, yeah, there's not, um, I, 
I don't know. I don't, I don't it, it's not something that concerns me really. Like, um, I think you are going to get people who disagree with you. And my, um, I, I would say my goal and the goal of people there is not to have a confrontation. So if somebody's, sometimes you get people really angry saying, you're killing children, you know, you're, it's disgusting. And because, because say with you, Les, they, they see that as saving children with asthma. Mm. Well, that's the, what they've been, you know, um, primed to think. And we say, well, well, can you explain that? Like, uh, or, or just, I just try and, or either if, if someone's so um, in such a heightened state, I just let them carry on walking. Or, yeah. or if I can, I'll try and reason with them and bring them down. Because um, I learned very quickly that in 2020, if you go out there, if I go out there and I'm angry, which I was initially in 2020 and start shouting and raving, it's not going to get anyone on your side. And that's the goal, really. So uh, for the most part, we're, we're there to um, have reasoned discussion um, and to share our views and to uh, make people at the very, if, even if we can't change their minds, obviously, and sometimes you can't do that instantly, is just to make people think, that, realise that we're not crazy, that, that we are coming from a reasoned position. And I think that's very important. So we're not, because obviously they'll say to you, you're a right-wing conspiracy theorist, you're, or Sadiq Khan said it, he said like you're uh, COVID deniers, vaccine deniers, Tories, all this stuff, like all things he could think of to say that might be buzzwords to lodge in people's brains. But the, the interesting, I think I've got a line that I always think of that people, everybody thinks that it's everybody else who falls for propaganda. And that includes me. So I'll think like, oh, someone else has fallen, has been brainwashed by the state propaganda. But they'll think of me, I've fallen for right-wing propaganda. It's always everybody else who falls for propaganda. It's never me or, or, yeah. or you know, the person thinking. So I think that if you can um, make people aware that there, there is a different way of looking at things and, and at least consider it, even if you reject it, I think that's, a, that's all we can do with the yellow boards is to make that. We're trying to circumvent mainstream. Uh, no, mainstream media is censored us, our, our yeah. point of view. So we're trying to find a route to introduce that other point of view in a respectable way to the public. Yeah, it is about making people think and not having that argument because that doesn't uh, actually benefit you. But what about you? Because I mean, it, it's like a it's like a political campaign. I mean, I remember back in the days with the UK, but knocking doors, flyers, nonstop, um, and it's about getting the message out. And you'd see billboards uh, about different political parties. Um, and what you're doing, it, 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 it's kind of like getting the message out. It's PR, but it's kind of that feel. Um, I mean, how did you, are you, have you been involved politically? Are you a massively outgoing person? Because people think, I wouldn't want to stand on a road junction with a huge sign. I mean, people want to keep their thoughts to themselves, not to display it to the world. Um, what, what was that like? Yeah, did you have anything kind of politically uh, background that you had engaged a lot with people on different issues? Not at all. Um, I, I, as I say, um, I started online with the 9-11 Truth Movement and I used to feel like a, an imperative. So once you become aware that, that say, for example, uh, there's a great injustice going on, like uh, the, the war in Iraq, the war in Afghanistan, the removal of our freedoms as well, even if you want to be selfish about it. Um, with the, in the United States, it was the Patriots Act and here we had the Terrorism Act and you could see the trajectory of, of the state machinations. Hmm. Then you think, well, if I do nothing, that's going to continue and this isn't going to end well even from a selfish point it's not going to end well for me but i also felt like if, if i was in iraq or afghanistan or any of the other uh, countries affected by the 9-11 wars which have been raging for 20 years so it's like northern pakistan there's places in africa and every that being bombed and um, 
so uh, and, and also you've got Syria, Libya, Yemen, all these places that have been affected. Um, I, I thought, well, I'd want someone to at least make a few memes on my behalf in the in the countries. So that's what so that's what I used to do. I used to try and make posts and make raise awareness and 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 use the internet as many of us are now doing since 2020. So that's what I saw as um, something that I could contribute. And also, I saw myself as being someone um, who could translate some of the denser material into 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 the language that or into the format like a meme that people would. Uh, engage with so I, I'm not like an academic or, or um, a scientist or anything like that but I can read that stuff and think okay what's the kernel of truth that we need to pass on here and, and, and put that into that format so uh, and present arguments so that that's just what I thought I could contribute to that movement and then in 2020 I've just tried to do the same thing so um, that would be uh, the, the role that you know um, I, I was trying to fulfill and and so um in terms of um getting in the street and and having and um, presenting that thing i also think i've done a bit of teaching with with the art that i was talking about with the done so I, you get used to presenting information in front of people and being questioned and and uh, you know i've taught in front of kids i've taught in front of pensioners um so I, i'm not that uncomfortable speaking if, if i feel like i'm informed um in front of people so there's that side of it so maybe i was prepared to do a bit of that but um, but the, even if we're just holding a board, I think that was, I, I read, in, I think around 2020 about if you're doing a revolutionary movement, you have to have something that other people can do. So yeah. like when we were doing the gazebo, one of the mistakes we probably made is that we would speak to and challenge the police and argue with the police and argue with the public. But not everybody feels that they want to do that. Or can, nobody, nobody wants a confrontation really in their life. If you can go through your morning without arguing with the police, you'll probably take that, right? <laughs> so 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 that's not something that everybody can do and engage with or wants to do but if you do it much simpler it's more passive it's just like you, you can use a yellow board everybody can pretend to be a signpost for a couple of hours right everyone can just be like oh yeah i'm just holding this in the street and it's a more passive way and the cars are going past usually you can stand in a place where the cars aren't going to stop and they just whiz by you and they'll just read mm -hmm. your placard and then you don't actually have to have an argument or a fight you can just say there's my board so, so it, it's something that everybody can do is hold a board you don't have to have been, you don't have to have read uh, the scientific papers. You don't have to have, you know, you're not like you're arguing with Dr. Fauci or mm. Matt Hancock or something. You can, you can just hold the board and say, uh, where's my freedom going or something. Um, so, so there's that side of it. Uh, and that's something that everyone can do. And it's easily replicable. And so you can do that. So the yellow boards have been sprouting up. And I think that's the key. You've got to give something that, um, that everybody, everybody can do. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's that kind of thing. Yeah, it's just it's making sure that we get the message out. That's the key thing, and 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 it's it's not about really um, presenting to an audience, like in the sense of verbally. Mm. Yeah, and and something I've certainly seen is nothing is from the top. I think that's why uh, the police, the government, the media are so concerned about free thinking because it's it's a grassroots thing. You see yellow boards popping up everywhere. Some are organized, um, some are not. And you see the change. But I'm intrigued with um, uh, people came together on the issue of uh, against COVID here and the issue of freedom. But then you realize that encompasses so much. Um, and let me actually let me play one of the uh, videos of you speaking on uh, I don't, is this the use cash one or is this you, Les? Let me, let me play it and then we can touch on kind of those other issues uh, which have come up. And I think as people have thought more about issues over the last three years, they're more open to this. But let me play this first one. Okay, we're here today at Harrow Road and um, 
if we take things in reverse and just look at things slightly differently and wonder if there was in the hypothetical situation that there was a, a plan or an agenda to deprive us of our freedoms and to change the way we live, what would it look like and how would they encourage us to consent to it? So if they can't do it by force because maybe there's a smaller number, they would have to get us to believe that it was in our, it was for our own good and in our best interests. So they might then tell us, I don't know, like the end of the world's coming unless you all do what we say, like, you know, like the sky is going to fall on your head or something along those lines. And then they might start to say, what we need for you to do is to use less resources and maybe, um, maybe not have a car, maybe lock yourself in your home. Maybe we'll do, bring about some measures so that all independent traders lose their small businesses so that then you're in the, the sort of grasp of the, the state, whether it's because you're on, uh, on the dole, on uh, the universal credit or whether you're working for corporations which, which seem to have a lot of control in, the, in, in, our, in our country at the moment. So with that in mind then, people often ask me what it is that they should do. Like, like when we talk, talk to them about the US, they say, what, what, what should we do about it? Now, what guys say to me with their vans, they say, I'm, I'm losing my van, I'm going to have to give up my van, and because I've not got my van, I won't be able to work, in which case I'll be in that situation I've just described. So, that, so that's a real problem. So if you then think about it, there's a guy called Alexander Solzhenitsyn who ended up in a labor camp in Russia. And old Alexander said, I wish we'd have got, got out there quicker when they first came to us with iron bars and pots and pans and done something about it. Now, I'm not suggesting you do that, but if you're going to lose your van anyway and you're going to lose your job anyway and be in state control, what other options have you got? Some people are using the options of taking down the cameras and some people are not paying the fines. In fact, millions of pounds apparently are unpaid. Now, if everybody who beeps the horn, as you hear there, did not pay and refused to pay, this scheme would not work. And we have to consider that if we're all going to lose everything anyway. I think that's a good point, uh, how people respond. Th that is on ULES, which is obviously the ultra-low emission zone, uh, which is in London, and attacking the motorist. Uh, I think I saw a meme somewhere that someone said, uh, we're told that, uh, cars, your older vehicle is going to kill children, but if you pay twelve fifty, it's okay. The child is saved. Uh, it's not about money. But can, tell us about it, because there have been massive support for against the ULEs with people cutting down cameras. I, I didn't think I would see that in Britain, that level of opposition and anger and law-breaking. I thought, wow, something's Something's broken in the spirit. It's not just the Brits shrugging their shoulders, uh, which we think we saw in lockdown, but actually people are doing something. I mean, tell us about that and the response and um, and how you see that pushback on the attack on the motorists. Okay, so I, I want to just say something that I should have said in response to your last question, but I forgot. But you, um, you're asking me about the yellow boards and what we're doing that is that what we're trying to do with the yellow boards is, is do what the government did to us from 2020 onwards. So they put... Um, signs everywhere. They put arrows on the floor. They put um, everywhere you went. So we're trying to make uh, it. They made it ubiquitous. It was just everywhere. Yeah. Like the lockdown was everywhere. It was like, you want a bus? It was on the radio. It was on. It was on a screen. It was on a post. Everything. Every public transport, shops, everywhere. You couldn't escape it. If you engaged in life outside your house or even inside your house through the screen, you were made aware that it was this virus and this lockdown and all this stuff. And that's what you were supposed to believe. So we have to use that sort of tactic against them and make it feel like. And also what they did is they made, they made everybody feel like everybody believes the same thing. Yeah. So with the yellow boards, what we're doing is we're presenting 
constant stream of like if you're driving past you'll see not just one you'll see two three four five six seven eight nine ten yellow boards with these messages on repetitive messages and you'll hear the horns which make you think if you don't agree with us why do all these other people agree why are all these horns going off so it makes you feel like you're the minority which is the reverse of what happened in 2020 when you thought you were the minority if you if you didn't believe the government so we're using the same sort of tactics there um and, and, and so there's that side of it. And also, I think what I'm suggesting in that video is there is if, if you can get someone to blow the horn, then that's an act of defiance. Like, it's just mm. a little act of defiance. But that's how they got you. First of all, it was like just three weeks to flatten the curve. Yeah. Just three weeks, okay, or two weeks in the States. And, and then it's like, okay, just another three weeks, just a mask. So we're starting off with just blow your horn. Right. And then and then and then if they can hear everyone blowing the horn, then you can think, OK, what's the next step? Then, OK, maybe everyone agrees with me. Everyone else is blowing the horn. So like then maybe, maybe then they take the next act of defiance. Now, we can't volunteer that and suggest that people do that because on video or anything else like that, because it's illegal to encourage people yeah. to break the law. All we can do is 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 point to the options. Right. Mm. And, and so the, the response there that you're seeing um, about the defiance in London, people cutting down the cameras. There are some of us who know, I mean, we say some people say we think we know, but we've read the agendas, it's documented, what this plan is. Yeah. So it's not, as you said, it's not about money. They can make all, they print the money anyway. They can print all the money they want. Um, these people are not short of money. They're not short of control in a way. But So it, they're trying to change the nature of humanity. They're trying to control us to the point where they make us into, into drones that service the elite class who still fly about and use private jets and cars and whatever else they want and have have the dominion over the countryside while we live in uh, smart cities and, and are boxed in like little rabbit hutches. So if you know that, then as I, as I pointed out there, then you you, you take a, the Solzhenitsyn idea of grabbing your iron poker or your pots and pans and beating them off in, in whatever way possible. So if you're still in a system where there is you know, a police force and you can get locked in jail, so what are the small acts of defiance you can do? You can not pay your fine and you can spread crazy foam over you can spray crazy foam over the ULES camera so if you actually know that you're you're going to lose everything then spraying foam over a camera is not that big a rebellion and I think the people who know are taking down the cameras um you know they, they realize this is this is um a pivotal moment this is this is a bridge that we cannot cross and so that is why you're seeing that and and, and whilst it's unusual for the British to be um so rebellious we don't really have a history of re- revolution yeah. if you understand what is happening this is the time to stand up if there's ever been a time so that is why the cameras are coming down now not everybody is at that level and which uh, the, the people who are know something is not right they know they can't afford it and the people in the vans are saying i'm being crushed and i, I can't I, there's people just driving saying i won't be able to visit my mom like and I, I need to get them in the car or she needs a lift or whatever it is um and there's people who are losing their businesses because they rely on their van for the business to take all their tools to work and, and so on. So they, I, I'm, they know they're losing something. So if we can just nudge them along to, you know, uh, a, a nudge as in the, the, the nudge unit, yeah. the, if we can use that same psychological nudging, that you're not alone. Loads of people agree with you. You can be defiant. You can stand up. There's solidarity in it. It's quite fun to blow your horn and hear the mad noise. And it's like, it's a kind of, it's a little act of freedom. It's kind of weird because most of the time you drive your car, you have to obey the, the code of the road and you have to, you have to be, there's, there's uh, speed restrictions, which mm-hmm. are coming down all the time to lower and lower speeds. Um, 
and you are you know you, you don't get this you, most people are not in a position where they can just rant and rave at work or at home and but just you can whack your horn it's a little moment of freedom and well, that feels good okay well maybe i'll try and there's loads of it so we're just trying to get people to to recognize the numbers and the strengths and and they have the the power and it might not be as um maybe i'm talking that up a little bit but i think that 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 is it, somebody has to take some step somewhere and the more rebellious are taking down the cameras and the less rebellious are, are blowing the horns and we're hoping they can meet in the middle and just throw the whole thing out i i love that a, a one-point thing of silly string or shaving foam can shut down a, a network of cameras across millions it's beautiful to see that um can, can i uh, the um i think obviously whenever you've got a system set up there for taking pictures of cars, automatic number plate recognition, um, and then that's fed in. That then is a whole surveillance system that is set up. Um, and I think that some people realize that can be used and repurposed for anything, but many people don't. And you're told, oh, it just takes a picture and then it disappears. And uh, no, it's it's part of a a gathering of information on all of us um do you think people realize that and are waking up to that yeah i think the, the, the harder they push and the, and the more ex extreme and illogical the measure seems to people the more people look for the reasons behind them and so more and more often now if, if say there's a line of cars and you speak to someone and they say they say it's madness this isn't it he's an idiot Khan and this is the mayor of london they'll say he's an idiot and i say yeah it's not just him though yeah they'll be like yeah i know it's a bigger thing. So they kind of know it's a bigger picture. Um, and, and I think the, because they have to look at the motive for why it's happening, it doesn't make sense to people. Like, why, why would they be crushing us in this way? Why why they after, after, and people do tend to understand it. It's not just about money. And they can also see it. I mean, the surveillance is everywhere. In Britain, we have in the supermarkets, they film your face. Yeah. So it's, and, and if you ask, you say, oh, it's, it's about shoplifting, but they're not filming your bag or your hands, they're filming mm -hmm. your face. And there's, you know, there's, and, and to do interact with, um, you know, buying tickets or anything like that, you have to give your details and, or to get into your bank account, you need a phone and a, and a, and a, and a laptop or two devices, one to verify the other. So people can see the surveillance state coming in, people can see cash being phased out. So I think people have an awareness that there's something uh, bigger than just, you know, they're trying to uh, clean the air for kids with asthma, these guys who don't care about the excess deaths or, that nobody makes a peep about wars that this kill and displace millions, but they really care about your granny and they really care about the kid with asthma down the street. And, 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 and also I think, I think to some extent, um, I, obviously I don't know enough people to know, but that my experience at the COVID inquiry, when people responded to very positively to our questioning of the COVID vaccines yeah. and, and um, made me think that the vaccines have woken people up because I think some people will, many people know people, who have not had the same health since they took the vaccine. So there's a whole variety of things that are coming together where people think maybe that wasn't quite right, that lockdown business, and maybe those vaccines weren't quite right, mm. and maybe this ULEZ isn't quite right, and maybe the phasing out of cash is not quite right, and maybe there's a link between them all. So so I think that people are coming around to that idea for sure. Let me just finish off uh, on that cash issue because uh, here's a another clip we'll play a two minute clip and just finish off just touching on that and and the response uh, from people because i think a lot of these issues people maybe can feel that it's too big it's beyond them but what you're showing i think is each individual can play a part and it's that individuals come together as a mass movement actually changing things but let me just play this two minute clip and then we'll finish off just chatting over that 
Okay, today we're here in Hampstead and we've just been giving out a few flyers and raising awareness about the dangers of a cashless economy. I had one woman come up to me and she was asking me about how, what's the point, what's the big deal about it? What's the problem with it? Because, you know, uh, carrying cash is a pain and using card is very convenient. And there is a, like a Benjamin Franklin quote about foregoing a little bit of liberty for safety. But in our generation, we seem to be foregoing liberty for um, convenience almost. The other day when I was out uh, doing, we were talking about ULES, people were saying to me about surveillance. They were saying, oh yeah, well, um, there's already surveillance everywhere. What, what does it, difference does it make? And I would make the point to them that the surveillance that they have now, although in Britain we have um, more cameras per head of population than anywhere except China, is a lot. We have a lot of surveillance. But for, most, for the most part, the spends they were talking about was like your mobile phone, reading your emails, tracking you everywhere you go. You can put your mobile phone in the bin, but if you start to have like a smart TV monitor in your house, you've got a smart car which monitors how you travel, and then when you step outside you have um, surveillance of every zone that they put in for the ULES, and you then, they can control whether or not you spend your money, and already in this country we've had people's finances stopped for them saying the wrong things, that starts to be a problem. And I'm starting to realize a little bit, I think, that people don't actually know what freedom is or how to defend it. I mean, they're talking, like for example, when we had the vaccines, people say, no, you're still free to get the job, but, but you just have to get the vaccine. And they're saying, you're still free to go where you want, but you just have to you know, pay a fine or change your car. These are erosions of freedoms, essential freedoms that we've had for a long time that people don't seem to even understand that what is happening while it's happening around them. And there's almost like a complacency. You certainly feel it in, in some areas where people like maybe smirk at you for carrying a board like this or for talking to them about these kind of subjects, that they, they just don't see the trajectory or the fact that once these uh, measures are in place, it will be too late to, con to, to contest them if, if they don't go the way they want them to, if suddenly it's their money that's getting stopped, it's suddenly their movement that's getting curtailed. And I think that's something very important that people should consider. But in this country, and I think in the West in general, people um, feel that their freedom is guaranteed for some reason. Um, okay, today we're here in Hampstead. Well, and we've just I, I think the thing is that, yeah, m most people living in the West haven't lived under a communist system and therefore don't understand freedom's been stripped. But that looked like a sunnier day in London. Um, but let, on that, let's just finish off with this because um, it's a a lot of these things are a active change of thinking. Uh, we're lulled into something often because of uh, it, it is easier, it is simpler, it makes your life easier. So why you have to go and get cash when you can just touch your phone, soon touch your palm, uh, soon you just walk in and scan you. Um, but it is a people thinking actually intentionally how to push back. But how kind of what has been the, the response uh, from people as you've talked to them and highlighted actually maybe something that people have forgotten that actually it's just easier to have a card or a phone. Actually, you really do need to use cash because as you said, if you don't use it, it'll be gone. Well, cash is a much more neutral issue for people than, say, what we talk about, lockdown, vaccines, or ULEs, because the climate agenda and the, the vaccine or lockdown agendas are, are firmly lodged. People tend to have a preconceived idea before you reach them. Um, but the cash idea, they just don't think, well, I've not heard much about that. And then, or, or they'll say, why do you think that? Or, or the people who are already onto it, who find it difficult to um, make their transactions through life using online um processes so th th yeah the the cash is more neutral and people seem to be more willing to listen to you about that because they're curious uh, or because they hadn't really thought about it because it is convenient to not to have coins and if we had a benevolent system and a benevolent government you know maybe i'd have no problem with it if you could trust the system um 
but the fact is that we live in a in a in a, a world where every potential misuse has to be factored in and the government will misuse it to the or somebody at some point will misuse it to the extent to which it's it's possible to misuse it and and that will be to our detriment if we don't have the freedom to spend our cash but um i also wanted to say in terms of you, you mentioned the cameras before on the, on the eulers uh introducing the surveillance that that monitoring that is being brought in I see a potential threat because you said that we've not had an experience of communism or totalitarianism in this country. But we had it the past three years. I mean, yeah. in in the Derbyshire Hills, they had drones uh, following people around who were going for a walk on their own um, and ordering them home or, or giving them some kind of police notice for for walking in the hills in the countryside. Mm. So, so if you bring in cameras that uh, that can surveil your movement that those can be again misused to the extent to which the state is, has has the potential to misuse them so so if if you link all as i said before if these things are all linked together and world health organization has a treaty coming in in which it can override national governments and say if there's the potential for a health emergency they can impose measures like we've had before like the quarantines lockdowns testing tracking tracing the potential not the reality of it just the potential for a health crisis then you have these zones that are surveilled. Mm. If you we saw the technology that they had with drones that they used for people in the countryside, if they've got the technology to shut down zones, we already know in this country that they shut down what they call tiers. No, they shut down areas into what they call tiers. Then what would stop them from shutting down an area where they said, oh, this area's had an outbreak because the PCR test, which is not fit for purpose, said that a few, one person, two people had a, had a nosebleed or they had a, you know, a, um, a cold. They could use the surveillance to shut that down. So I think that the experience of totalitarianism over the past three years has made people more alive to the fact that these powers can be misused. So when we go out and speak about these things like Ulysses or cash and you say to them, you might need your freedom sometime, you know, that you might need to be able to get into that shopping center. I mean, I, in, in some of the shops, they, had, they started to use the one way uh, one-way arrows on the floor and some of them had doors with traffic lights on them so you could go in this door and not this door it's only one step away from locking you out if they see you as a plague carrying vermin which is kind of the way they characterize you anyway because both these 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 schemes the the the, the covid scheme and the eula scheme characterized first of all they make the air out to be poisoned as in as in it's dangerous for you to breathe the air whether it's ulez with cars and both of them the, the people the, the thing the the agent poisoning the air is the human being so, so you are the vermin that is the blight upon the earth and and essentially when they say they need to stop the spread they're talking about people they need to stop the spread of people we need to stop them driving around we need them to stay in their homes we need to stay in the stuff smart cities and all these things now people might not have it crystallized in that way in their head but they're aware that something happened over the past three years that was a bit weird. And they're aware that 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 that, that they would that they will remember that it wasn't nice to be locked in their homes or or, or um prevented from going to shops and supermarkets and nightclubs and pubs and clubs and doing all the normal uh, pleasures of life. So if you start to say to them the cash could be used in a way, uh, or sorry, the absence of cash could be used in a way to control your purchases or your movements, or you could or and, and, and would you, I, I say to them a simple question as well, would you like it if I had control over how you spent your money? Mm. Or any other person, like an abusive husband or a wife or a father or mother, whatever, just some, some third party 
could say whether or not you spend your money or where and when you spend your money. They can connect with that. They, they don't want a third party um, involved with their money. Some people think you're mad, obviously. There's still always that range of opinions. But I think that's something that people can very easily identify with. And it doesn't have, it's not laden with the same belief system that like belief in the, the, the global warming is or, or in, in, in uh, you know, the, the magic cold that didn't exist for some protest and did for others or, you know, that kind of thing. So it's not laden with that kind of propaganda onslaught. You can just say to them, there's something, it caches your freedom, you know, you need to have control over how you spend your money. And they'll go, all oh, right, I didn't thought of that. Um, Francis, I appreciate you coming on. And it's a whole range of issues which have uh, sprung up. Uh, COVID tyranny, cash, ULES, net zero surveillance. Uh, there are huge issues, but love what you do with the yellow boards. Um, and I'll be looking forward to getting you on. I love having people on who I don't know, who I don't never met before and have them on chat. So thanks so much for coming on today and, and sharing what you're doing with the yellow boards. Thank you for having me, Peter. It's been a pleasure. If you like what we do, sign up to our mailing list, donate, share, and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofvoke.org. Thank you for listening.